Father, once again, we are so grateful and thankful to be here in your presence. God, thank you for the work that you've done in these individuals who are baptized. God, thank you for the work that you're going to continue to do in them in the future and also in us. Lord, we are a creator or a creation who needs our creator to continue to make us new. God, we need to be changed and molded and reborn and made new again and again and again. And God, I pray that you would speak into our hearts and lives today. Lord, as the world beckons us and calls us and temptation lures us in, God, I pray that you would speak as loud, if not louder, than those desires. Father, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would be present among us. God, that you would be with so many of our brothers and sisters this morning who are not able to join us because of health issues and ailments. God, we pray for them. Lord, we pray for the Reynolds family this morning. God, that you would just touch them and their loss this week. And Jesus, we we acknowledge that we need you today. Jesus, I need you. I know that everyone in this room, whether they admit it or not, we need something more than what we have. So God, we invite you to come in, to work and to move, and to change us to the men and women you've called us to be. Lord, we love you today and we thank you. And we ask all this in Jesus' precious and holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the past two weeks, we've talked about being more than animals. And it's kind of an odd series title, so if you're a little confused, that's okay. The previous two sermons are on Facebook, YouTube, their own podcast. You can catch up. And I encourage you um, to catch those because I feel like they're really important, especially with what we're going to talk about today. Because as we've talked about being fearfully and wonderfully made and how God is still making us and we should allow God to continue to make us as we grow in our relationship with him and as we live every day on earth, um, there is a world that's proclaiming a message that we are not as valuable as God has proclaimed that we are. That we are basic animals, that we are here by accident, that we have evolved, that you and I have an instinct, and that we are born a certain way, and by that we're prone to certain things, and that we should engage in our animalistic desires and whims and wants in life. And that's a message that the world is constantly sending. But the problem with that is, is that there is a God who is sending us a very different message, a message of I love you, of I created you, a message that God has, has crowned us at the top of his creation, not to, uh, to build our egos or to make us feel more confident in ourselves than we should, but just to understand that of all of creation, God values us more than anything because we are the ones to whom he paid the ultimate price for. 
You know, like there's no other animal, there's no stars, there's no moons, there's no galaxies upon which Jesus Christ came and bled and died for, but Jesus Christ came and bled and died for you and I so that you and I could live eternally while all of, all of creation, all of existence will eventually pass and fade away and be destroyed. You and I can live forever. God has proclaimed the value that you and I have as individuals because he was willing to pay for us. Not only did he create us above everything else, but he also paid for us, and he did not make that same payment for everything else because he's going to destroy it all, and he's going to make it all new again. And that's important for us to understand. But the world will try to convince you to pursue your instincts, your natural desires, your basic just cravings in life. They want you to do that. They want you to see yourself as less valuable. And we all know that giving in to our desires is much easier than sacrificing them for the sake of something greater later on. I'll give you an example. I love Reese cups. One of our staff members gave me a pack of Reese cups for my birthday. They're in my office drawer. They're about half gone now. It's so much easier to eat a Reese cup than it is to wait and be like, ah, I'm going to lose weight this week. I'm going to be good. It's like, no, the Reese cups are really good. It's hard to give that up because we have cravings and desires. It could be anything. It could be food. It could be addictions. It could be sins. It could just be choices in life. It's not necessarily that some things are sinful. It's that you know there are things in your life that God's calling you to that you're not giving up because you enjoy those things or those things are important to you or you feel like that would alter your life so much that you're just not ready to give it up yet in order to follow the Lord. We all know that it's so much easier to give into our instincts and our natural desires than it is to sacrifice and wait for something better later on. And you don't really need the world to encourage you to do it, but they very much do. But as strong as that instinct is for us to give in to those desires, you also have to recognize that every time you give in to those desires, whether it be just things that you regret doing or things that were sinful and that you feel guilty about, that there's something inside of you that's also instinctual that God has placed there buried in the depths of who you are. Because he loves you so much, and he, because he loves you, he does not force you. You see, if you, if you ever just sit down and you think about it, the ability for us to sin is so easy because it just comes so natural, and it's so tempting, and it's there, and it's just, it's amazing how you just fall into it. You know, we use that word, I fell into temptation, I fell into sin, because it's just, it's there, and it's so easy. But God's calling on your life is extremely hard. And it's not easy to do because his calling on your life is out of love and he wants you to be able to choose that and he wants you to know that it is a choice. And so every time you choose sin or you choose something that, that you shouldn't have chosen, there's still that little instinct inside of you that God has put there to say, I shouldn't have done that. You feel bad about it. You feel guilt. You feel shame. You have regret. And God has put that there on purpose because you are more than just the animals that you and I see and observe or have in our home or go to the zoo to, to just watch. We are so much more and God expects so much more out of us. And we regret things and we feel guilt and we feel shame because we know that there is a better way. We know that there is something beyond what we're doing and what we're giving into. We know that there is something that God has called us to. 
I want you to turn with me, if you've got your Bibles, to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles, but Paul writes to this church. <clears throat> and I do want us to take note of this because we're going to talk about this a little more later on. But so many people look at Scripture and we look at what God calls us to do. And we've heard sermons, we've heard preachers, and we know that so much of what God calls us to do seems impossible and it seems so difficult and it's very daunting. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you find yourself struggling with things that you shouldn't be, having sin in your life that shouldn't be there, struggling in, in your faith, just whatever it may be, you need to understand that you are not alone. It doesn't matter how long someone's been saved, okay? They're still going to be fighting the cravings and the natures and the instincts of this world as long as they live. It's part of God purifying us and helping us grow in Him. All right? And it doesn't matter how young someone, especially young people, young in their faith, they're going to experience this a lot too. And when you read Scripture, all, especially all of New Testament Scripture, most of the time it's written to churches and groups of Christians who have put their faith in Christ and yet they are struggling significantly in their walk with God. There's major sins going on and Paul addresses this and you're going to see this in this passage and in some other passages we're going to read. But let's look at verses 1 through 10 together. <clears throat> it says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Okay, so there's a calling on believers to when you put your faith in Christ, when you profess Christ, you ask Him into your heart, you say, I believe, I want to serve God. There's a calling on our life to no longer think about things of this world, but to look beyond this world. It's one of the major problems that most people have in following Christ is, is that we believe in Christ, but yet we still like the world. We enjoy the world. There are things of the earth that we like and enjoy. Scripture says that sin is pleasurable for a season. There are going to be things that we want to partake in, but Christ calls us to follow Him to look beyond this world to what's to come, because if you don't keep your eyes focused, you lose track. Verse 3, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the world, you will share in all His glory. Christ has to become our life. It has to become the reason we exist. It has to become everything. And if it's not, we're always going to struggle more than we should. Verse 5. So put to death the sinful nature, earthly things lurking within you. And this is really important because don't you understand, this is a church. Now, I want to tell you guys this morning, I'm very thankful that we have a group of believers where the stuff that we're about to read is not commonplace among you as, as, as a group. Now, some of you may be struggling with some of these things as individuals, but I'm very thankful that this is not public and we don't have someone from our denomination who's having to write us letters and come visit with us over the sins that we're about to talk about. But he tells the church who are struggling with these things have nothing to do with sexual immorality. And he just throws a blanket over that. All right? He doesn't mention anything specific. He just says all of it have nothing to do with it. Impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, 
For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. I don't think there's another passage in all of the Bible that so clearly and plainly explains what is expected of people as they give their hearts and lives to Christ. And it's, and it's in some ways, it's encouraging. I don't know about you guys, but there are still times where I struggle with sin and temptation in my life. And I'm not proud of that, but it's encouraging to read in this early church when God was moving and doing amazing things, and these people were struggling with these things, and Paul and the other apostles are having to address these issues. So it gives us great hope to know that, number one, God still loves us. Number two, that He hasn't given up on us. And number three, he, he still wants us to do better and be better. But the only way we can become new in this world and follow God the way He's called us to is to be filled and led by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're talking about today. So point number one, you need to understand there's going to be false teachers. And this is written in Scripture constantly in the New Testament. There are going to be people who come along who are going to teach things that are not true of the gospel, that are not true of Scripture. And you know that. Like we have one of our denominations that the Wesleyan Church pulled away from hundreds of years ago over some different issues. Today, that denomination is, is teaching false teachings. And they're promoting false things. They're promoting sinful things. And so you can, <clears throat> you can imagine the people who are part of that church, whether they've been saved for a long time or been saved very, not very long at all, or if they haven't even committed their life to Christ yet, and yet you have one pastor over here who's saying that this is sinful, and another pastor over here who's saying, no, this is okay. You, you were born this way. You should obey your instinct. You, you should do this. It's okay to participate in this. And it makes it very confusing. And we, we need to understand as believers, there are going to be false teachers come. There's a reason why you have this denomination or this denomination or this pastor and this pastor, and they're saying two different things because Satan is trying to infiltrate God's kingdom and trying to lead people astray. And you need to understand that. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 12 through 14 Peter writes and says, These false teachers are like unthinking animals. You think it's any coincidence that we're talking about how we're more than animals? And God expects us, out of all creation, to follow His law and be obedient to Him, and He's paid a price for us, and yet people who go against Him and teach against His Word are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct, Born to be caught and destroyed. And I know there's a lot of you in here who's like very fond of your animals and like you treat them like they're your own children and, and things like that. But you need to understand, like from a biblical perspective, as, as special as animals can be, and we're called to love and treat our animals well, like you, you'll give an account for that. I promise you will. They're also kind of disposable, they don't live as long as we do. 
And, and from the very beginning, even from Adam and Eve's sin, whenever they messed up, it was animals that paid the price so that they could be clothed. They're there for our benefit. But he says these teachers, these false teachers, they're going to be like animals. They're going to be discarded and destroyed because they're distorting the truth. He says they scoff at things they do not understand, and like animals, they will be destroyed. Verse 13, their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. You know this. False teachers go into the church, go into denominations, go into religious settings. And whenever they go in and they have their way, they do harm. They do a lot of harm. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception. And even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals, they commit adultery with their eyes and their desire for sin is never satisfied. And they lure unstable people into sin. And they're well-trained in greed. And they live under God's curse. You need to understand that there are going to be false teachers out there who are going to try to lead us astray. And let's be honest. Following God is usually the hardest path. And so when a false teacher comes along and says, no, you don't have to choose the hard path. You can choose the easy path. Which one do you think most people are going to do? Because that's what most people do every day. We choose the path of least resistance. But one thing you can rest assured on is that the right thing to do is usually the hardest thing to do, right? If you're ever sitting there and you're questioning whether or not you should do something or what's the right choice, you can rest assured that whichever one's the hardest is usually the one that's the right way. I love baseball. There's this movie called A League of Their Own. Awesome movie during World War II. And it portrays the, the women's baseball league as the men are at war. And there's a scene towards the end of the movie whenever they're about to play for the World Series. Well, the main character, Dottie Henson, her husband comes home from the war. He's shot, he's wounded, he gets discharged, he comes home, and she's packing up the car and she's getting ready to leave with him and she's not even going to play in the last game. And so her and Tom Hanks are arguing in this, and she said, well, look, it just got too hard. And he said that some of the greatest words ever spoken is great wisdom. It says, it's supposed to be hard. If it's not hard, everyone would do it. And the hard is what makes it great. And so as you're sitting here today, and I said we'd talk about this a little later, you need to understand that as a believer this morning, you're going to look at Scripture and you're going to look at the things that God has called us to do. And sometimes you're going to look at those things and you're going to say, this is too hard. Or this is unrealistic. Or this is impossible. And you need to know the truth this morning. It was meant to be that way. Because if it was just hard, some people could do it. But because it's impossible, nobody can do it. And you should find comfort in that this morning to, to know that you're sitting here and you're just like, man, I, I'm struggling. Like I, want, I love Jesus. I want to live for him. I'm just not able to. And I haven't been able to get over this hump or that hump or overcome this sin or temptation. Whatever it may be, you need to understand it was made so that you could not do it, that it would be impossible for you to do. Because if you could do it, then anyone could do it. And then it wouldn't be special. But God designed it so that the only person could do it would be his son, Jesus Christ, who was the only one who was able to obey the law. He was the only one who was able to be what God has called all of us as humans to be. And not only that, but because he was able to obey the law, 
But he was also able to be the sacrifice for mine and your sin so that you and I could be forgiven and have eternal life. But the amazing thing about it is that it wasn't just meant to be impossible. See, the world looks at it as this is impossible. It's not realistic. And if you're not careful, you can sell that to yourself very quickly because it is. But at the same time, it isn't. Because if we believe what we say we believe in Jesus, that through Christ all things are possible, and that we have a loving God who paid the price for us to have eternal life, who knows that it's impossible, has conveniently provided a way for you and I to do the very things He's called us to do that we can't do on our own, and it is through the filling and the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the things of this world. And it's not a matter of what you're doing or what you're capable of doing, but it's a matter of how willing are you as an individual to empty yourself out before God and humble yourself before Him and empty yourself of the world and allow Him to fill you so that you can do the things that He's called you to do. And until you let yourself die and empty yourself out so that God can live in you and through you, it's never going to happen. You're in a boat trying to go upstream, and you don't have a motor or a paddle. You can't do it. But the Holy Spirit makes all things possible. And the fact that the Spirit lives in you is so important and so necessary because there's a lot of people who claim that they're of God because we just talked about false teachers. They'll claim they're of God. There's a lot of people in church who claim that they're of God, that they follow God, and yet God does not live in them. And you can say whatever you want to say, and some people can play the game better than others, but in reality, you know this. You can always tell when people are fake. You can always tell when they're hypocritical. You don't have to be saved to do that because the world can see it too. Because people who truly belong to Christ, they have the signature of God on their very life and it's so evident and that's the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's living in you and it's controlling you and it's leading you, it oozes out of who you are. Like you don't even have to try. You don't have to make an effort. It doesn't mean you're perfect because there's a lot of people that I know who are Christians, who love Jesus, who are filled with the Spirit, and they're not perfect. They have their faults just like everyone else. God is still working and moving in their life. But the Holy Spirit is present in them, and it's very evident because their life is so different from everyone else. And God is so present, you can feel it. Point number two, what you allow to control you is obvious. Can't deny it. It's not a secret. Like we said a while ago, you don't even have to be saved. You may think that you have the world fooled, but the only person who is fooled is ourselves. And Satan has fooled us when we are allowing the world to control us versus letting the Spirit of God control us. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21, Paul writes to the church in Galatia, and he tells them what happens when they are controlled by their instinct rather than the Spirit of God. Read this with me. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. It's clear. You don't have to look for it. It's there. 
sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Sound familiar? It's pretty common in our culture today. Nobody would kind of blink an eye at that stuff anymore. Even sorcery, paganism is a big thing among young people now. Witchcraft, big among young people right now. And Galatia was going through this just like we are as a culture. Let me tell you again, as I had before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. We need to understand as people who follow and serve Christ that when we look at our own lives, we need to make sure that we're spirit-filled and spirit-led, but also as we're promoting Christ to other people, that if we just say, hey, you need to ask Jesus in your heart and forgive you of your sins, you're presenting half of the gospel to them. And you're leaving them stranded on an island with no way to get home. Because without the power and the filling and the leading of the Holy Spirit, they are not going to go anywhere from that spot of just saying, I love Jesus, but now what do I do? I love Jesus, but there's no power, there's no authority in my life that I hear other people talk about and testify about. Because we have to have the Spirit, we have to be filled with it. And not only this, but as we talk about ourselves this morning, I just want to throw this out there for some of you, especially young people. When you look at friendships and relationships, like people that you think, like, hmm, they're pretty cute. I might like date them. You know, it's like people you want to align yourself with, business partners, teammates, coworkers, whatever it may be. When you start looking at people that you want to align yourself with in this life, you need to be looking for evidence of the Holy Spirit in them. Because if you align yourself with people who aren't of God, it's going to wreak havoc in your life and in your walk with Christ. It will affect you. And you want to know what happens whenever you align yourself with people of the world? Instinct kicks in. You know, it's the number one instinct in the world is for all people, all animals, every living thing. Self-preservation. You want to align yourself with somebody who's of this world and that natural instinct kicks in? And self-preservation kicks in. When the storm comes and the winds and the waves and the wolves come, it does not matter when or where or what time, they will throw you to the winds and the waves and the wolves in order to preserve themselves. But when you look at what Christ has called us to do as individuals, Christ has called us to sacrifice, to love our neighbor, our brothers and sisters, as ourselves, to love God, to, to withdraw and withstand from things of the world so that we can have more later on. There's so much more discipline, so much more choice, so much more love when you look at what it means to truly be a follower of Christ. And so it's not just a matter for you. I mean, like you as an individual, you'll never be able to give your spouse or your friends or your teammates or your company or whatever it is, you'll never be able to give them everything that you should be giving them if Christ is not supreme in your life because you're going to choose yourself over them every time. Point number three, you've got to kill the instinct 
Our verse, our focus verse from today, Colossians 3, 5, is put it to death. And the truth is, as believers, you know, we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, but, but let's be honest, like we talked about this last week, we're all vessels. Like we're meant to be filled. We're meant to be filled with something. And whether it's food or it's drugs or entertainment or relationships or books, I mean, whatever it is, I mean, we are almost like the black holes of consumption. Because as long as we live, we will consume. Like we're meant to be filled and there's something inside of us that desires to be filled constantly. And the world tries to fill itself with things of the world. Right? But in truth, we were created to be filled with the Spirit of God. And the only thing that's satisfying is to be filled with the Spirit of God. That's the only time we're truly satisfied. But the problem is, is that we're also a vessel that's leaking. Like, so as we fill ourselves with food and water, guess what? We got to do it again. And we fill ourselves with drugs, guess what? You got to do it again. And as you fill yourself with entertainment and books or whatever it is in this life, you're just constantly filling yourself because that need is always there. And it even is that way with the Spirit of God. There has to be a conscious effort in our lives as people as we pursue with as we pursue Christ, as we pursue our walk with Him, that we're constantly filling ourselves or allowing ourselves to be filled with the Spirit of God because you will leak it out. It's not like the Holy Spirit just comes on you and you're just going to be filled and you're complete and you're everything you need to be and then you're just waiting to die and go to heaven. No, the Spirit of God comes in you and He reveals things to you and He teaches you and He shows you. And this is why you can be saved for years and you can read passages of Scripture and, and at times He reveals things to you and then you go back and you read the same passage a year later, months later, five years later and God reveals something totally new to you. Or you could be doing something this whole time since you've been saved and all of a sudden you wake up one day and you have guilt from it because God's revealing to you, this is not for you anymore. Because there's something inside of us that will always be there as long as we live that is going to crave the things of the world, and we've got to put it to death. And our responsibilities as believers are to be acutely aware when the world starts calling. When we experience the temptation, when we experience the doubt, when we experience the frustrations, whatever is coming through this world and whatever is calling our name, that we identify it and we grab it and we begin to cut it out of who we are and we nail it to the cross because you have to put it to death. Because sin is not something that you can allow to stay in you because sin grows. It will forever grow. It won't just stay the same. It will always grow. Its aim is to conquer and destroy. And so as believers in Christ, we are called to identify these things. And understand this in Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 7, Paul writes to them, he says, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. 
And being a Christian is hard because you're always going to be fighting this battle in different things. There's going to be something inside of you that wants to do something that you know is not right. And then there's something inside of you that's whispering to you, don't do that. You know that it's wrong. You know that's not for you. You know that God has something more for you than that. But so many people get caught up in pursuing what's easy to access at the time rather than waiting for something better that maybe we can't see yet. Maybe we don't know what it is. Galatians 5 verse 24, Paul says to that church, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. You and I are called as believers not to just die once, but to die daily. That every time Christ reveals something that's in our hearts and in our minds that should not be there, that we are always ready to say, nope, that's not for me, Jesus. I choose you over that, and I'm going to nail that to the cross, and I'm going to put it to death. That thought in our mind, that desire in our heart, that there's not even a question. We say, no, Jesus, I choose you. I'm, I'm taking this, I'm nailing it to the cross, putting it to death. Because that's not for me. There's something better for me waiting. Point number four, we have got to be spirit-led. There's no way around it. And we said this a while ago, you can't please God on your own. Under your own strength, under your own ability, you cannot do it. I cannot do it. No one can do it. Jesus was the only one. Since we did baptisms today, you think about when Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended upon him after he was baptized and said, this is my son in whom I am fully pleased. We cannot please God, only Christ can. And we need something supernatural, something that supersedes us, that can rescue us, save us, change us, help us to be reborn. Because that's what we're called to do, and we can't be reborn on our own. We can't be made new, we can't be recreated. God has to do that. Galatians 5, verses 16 through 17 Paul says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting against each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. I had a teenage girl in our youth group a few years back, and she said one night, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It's a pretty common saying. I just thought it was funny that a teenager said it. But it's not, you, you got to remember that in this life, you may have good intentions. You may have a good heart. You may want to do right. But unless you are dying to yourself and you're surrendering to Christ, your good intentions aren't going to get you anywhere because you don't have the power to carry them out. We have to be spirit-filled and spirit-led. You and I are more than animals. I think it's really important for us. That sounds simple and it sounds like kind of, duh. But we really need to remind ourselves of that, that God has 
a higher calling on our life, something so much more than just chasing after our wants and our desires and things that please us and make us feel good in a moment or whatever it may be. God has called you to be so much more. And God has so much more for you. God has something beyond this world, anything that this world can have to offer, whether it's pleasure or high or, or whatever it is. There's, there's, you have to believe in your heart that there is something so much better than that in eternity waiting for you that you're willing to sacrifice it now in order to get that over there. Because the truth is, if you don't believe it, you're not going to die to it. And you're not going to let the Spirit of God fill you and lead you. And that's what we're called to do. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for your love, for your mercy. Thank you for sending your one and only Son to die on the cross for our sins. Jesus, we could not do that. We could not pay that price. But God, I'm so thankful that you paid that price for us and you showed how much you truly value us. God, I pray that you would help us to empty ourselves out, to sacrifice the things of this world, and to die to the sinful nature that's within us so that we can be filled and led by your Holy Spirit. We love you and thank you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.